it's more for running your business. And there's a lot of things that you know I've wanted eBay to do for a long time, but it's just harder for eBay, being the big ship that it is, to turn things around. And so, um, one of the things that I you know really miss on eBay is the ability to download a report that tells me here's your listings and here's all the weights that you have on them because. I realize that a lot of my listings don't have weight. A lot of them have the wrong weight, and I have no way of. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, just jumping in, um, talking about 2019. What a great year it's been. Great year for our business and pivots that we've done. Um, and if you're thinking about pivoting your business, you might want to check out some of the uh, sponsors that I have of the podcast. Uh, just come out to ecommercemomentum.com and, and take a look at uh, this episode. Uh, there'll be a link with a whole bunch of different uh, deals. And, and, you know, be fair, they do pay me, so don't want to hide that. But uh, shouldn't cost you any more than what you would pay any other way. Uh, but you benefit me and you sponsor the show and, and help pay offset some of our costs. But uh, some of the great things, you know, um, Gay Lisby, Gary Ray's group, um, unbelievable. You know, I, I can't believe the number of million-dollar sellers that credit the group for getting them pushed past that point. That's the key, okay? Um, i got a great interview coming up where the, the network talk again, where that's really what drives a lot of what your decisions are. Look back, listen to Kate Rowell talk about what, what that group of people has done for their business, you know, just sounding boards, people to help test your ideas and stuff. So I've got a lot of those kind of links, uh, tactical arbitrage, um, you know, lots of them come with uh, longer trial periods. I'm very fortunate that way, and I want you to try them. But the key is, is to get in the group, be active, don't be a wallflower, and then see if it's a good fit. If it's not a good fit, get out of them. I understand that. You know, you want to be around people that are going to build you up, not tear you down. So find the group that's right for you, and then pivot. Change your new year if it's not working. If it's working, do more of it. Don't get rid of everything else and do more of that. But if it's not, there's nothing wrong with pivoting. We've done it. Uh, you know, I think, you know, we've been FBA since 2011. We've pivoted so many times um, as the market changes. And again, they never call and say, Steve, what do you think? So the market's going to change without your input. And guess what? You could react or you could proact, and um, even in midst of change, you can proact and, and try something different. So again, reach out uh, in any way if I can help you, um, but check out the uh, links, and, and hopefully you'll find something that'll help you grow your business. Um, and I credit, you know, Gay Lisby, Andy Sammons, Karen Locker, um, um, Alex Moss from Tactic Arbitrage, all those companies helping us, um, I think that they could help you too. Um, and uh, again, reach out if I can help you in any way. Thanks. And welcome back to the e-commerce one minute podcast. This is episode 421, Teresa Cox. Um, look at the headline, look at the title that I use for this. And this title gets developed as I'm talking to the person in the depth of knowledge. Um, you know, a, she's, she'll even say it in here. She's been a longtime seller, right? So that's cool. But what, to me, what she's been able to do in resetting and readjusting and just, changing um, over time as the marketplaces change. You know, the marketplace is going to change with or without you. So you'd rather be on the, you know, right with it or ride the wave or in her case, sometimes ahead of the wave. And she got to be part of something pretty cool. And I think it's, it's a great story. Um, very, very cool lady who just knows what she's doing and loves it. That's what you want, that love. She still loves what she's doing 20-something years later. 
Don't you want that for yourself? Let's get into the podcast. Hey, welcome back to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. Excited about today's guest. Uh, we had talked years ago about getting together, and we just never have because both of our schedules are a little bit too busy. And I don't think... Either one of us would say now is a great time because it's Q4, um, although I think our Christmas rush is over. Teresa Cox. Welcome, Teresa. Well, hi there. Yes, you're right. Q4, we're on the downhill slide, and I'm excited about that. I'm exhausted already. Are you pleased uh, with this Q4? I am. I, I changed some things up on um, this Q4. I implemented some new strategies, and uh, yes, it's it's been very successful for me. So I did not expect it to be it. as strong uh, because of all the changes and challenges, um, and just historically. And we are very pleasantly surprised too. Um, every one of the places we sell is really doing well, including eBay, which was a struggle for us for a while because of whatever happened uh, with the category, but. Even that was a big surprise for us. And I see others posting that it's not been so good for you. What's been your experience? Yeah, um, eBay eBay's my uh, go-to top first platform. I love eBay. I love the community. I also sell on Amazon. And I stopped selling on Amazon in February, uh, you know, just a little here and there, but for the most part stopped because I was selling shoes, and I was sourcing shoes that didn't have boxes. Oh. And so when they made that change... I had to rethink my whole idea about what to sell and if I wanted to continue to sell on that platform. And so in, um, you know, it's hard to walk away from cash. So in Q4, I decided that I was going to start over and I implemented some uh, different strategies for what I was buying um, and I implemented a couple of new tools and has been hugely successful. In, I'm tracking, I don't like to track things on a micro level on any of the platforms, but I decided that to go back into Amazon, I wanted to track things on a micro level. And so I am pleasantly surprised at my average ROI, at my sell-through rate, at all those numbers. And basically it tells me, hey, I still kind of know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think I think what you said there is very fair, that, you know, frustration changes, they're going to they're gonna make all those things, right? But you, that doesn't mean you can't reset, and what you did was reset. And the other smart thing I heard in there was that you took advantage of some tools. So you didn't just go back to the way you were doing it. You reset and made, maybe took away some of the hassles. Is that a fair way to say it? Yeah, some of the hassles where, um, you know, I was doing things manually just because I, I started using a repricing tool. And I was doing it manually because when I first started on Amazon and I tried to figure out repricing software, it was way over my head. Mm -hmm. And so um, I decided that, you know, it definitely was the way to go. And, um, you know, the other thing that I did was I uh, joined a paid Facebook group, which I had been part of before. And, um, you know, initially I joined the Facebook group to, uh, you know, to get ideas of what to sell. And I don't need that information anymore. I've got my scanner. I've got my software app. And now what I use it for is the um, knowledge. Yeah. Uh, you know, hey, this happened. How would you handle it? Or, um, you know, I've got somebody that I met in the group that has walked me through how to set up uh, some very specific things on uh, the repricing app and has helped me through some of the areas that I knew I was struggling with process on. And I know that my process uh, for submitting Amazon orders is ridiculously time in intensive, and it doesn't need to be. 
So uh, I just talked to him today, and I'm going over to his place on Monday, and he's going to show me how he does it. And that's going to be a huge, huge difference in what I do next year. That's so valuable. Um, and again, it's also nice that you have somebody who's gone through the same challenges you are, right? Um, so in that group, and I see this for me, so it's just, you're going to be like, duh, Steve, of course. You're going to see people <laughs> having challenges that you might not be having, but you could have. you just been fortunate it didn't happen to you. You're, and you go and check and you're like, oh, crap, I better change that too before that happens to me. Have that happened to you? Yeah, I will. I will tell you that um, in this, I was in this group, you know, a year ago, um, I, and I. Uh, one of the things that they were doing was they were taking pictures of their items and um, with the receipts and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To ward off against, you know, um, uh, what's the claim that you get on Amazon? Well, it would be an IP claim, and this is for those yeah, who don't IP have claim. receipts without the UPC numbers. That happens on particular stores, like a Marshalls or a TJ Maxx or whatever. They don't put the UPC on the receipt, so therefore you can't show it's real, correct? Correct. Okay. And so I was, you know, a year ago, I'm like, yeah, that, you know, whatever. I'm like, that's too much, that's a time-intensive step that I don't want to take. Well, this year, when I decided to revamp, I'm like, I haven't had an IP complaint yet. Knock on wood. But it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And um, so let me add this process to my, um, let me add this step to my process and just, you know, be ready for when it does happen because it's not if, it's when. And the smart thing there, right, what you just said is genius. The way you got to look at it, and this isn't a criticism, you were cheating before, right? You were you were running a risk. You were taking a gamble yeah. because it could have happened. But now to have a real business, you're saying, okay, I can't cheat on this process. This is part of the process. Now, if the hassle factor outweighs the profit on those things because you have all those extra steps that you must do every single time, isn't that better – than worrying at night about losing your business every night? Exactly. Uh, you know, and I tend to be um, a more risk taker than a lot of people. Um, and so that was exact. my exact thought process before was that the time that it took to do this was not worth the risk of having one IP claim. Well, that's because I didn't understand IP claims fully. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And just, you know, being in groups and, and in, in fairness, Amazon, I believe, has become a much more much stricter, harder marketplace in the last year. Mm -hmm. And um, I just decided that, that that the risk did not outweigh the reward this time. And so that was one step that I, you know, re-looked at and said, okay, it's going to take me 20 minutes to do this. Let me figure out my process. And I just added it in. And did, is, did it, I mean, I'm sure it took you 20 minutes in the start. It, it, when you get good at it, does it take you 20 minutes if you really look at it now? No, it doesn't. Right. Um, it, you know, it's, I'm still playing with the process. I'm still trying to figure out if I take the picture first. Because another step that I added in was I actually go over um, and check off every item on my receipt. And I did that because um, I was at a, I do a lot of uh, RA, and I was at a register, and some, uh, you know, teenager, no no um, disrespect to teenagers, but, you know, he was at the front, and he was responsible for too many things, and he was trying to help some lady look at a watch in a case, and so he'd, he'd uh, scan two or three of my items, then go back to the case and get her a watch and watch her and then come back, 
and it just made me uncomfortable that is he double scanning things and um, so now I've added into my list to uh, verify that everything that I was charged for actually received and interestingly enough the first part of that was I usually ended up with more items than I paid for mm -hmm. and um, so I the first the first two it like the net was um, I was overcharged four dollars the next one you know I was undercharged eight dollars I'm not gonna go back to the store for that but then there was one where there was three items that were probably in a hundred twenty five dollar range that I wasn't charged for and so I'm a big believer in karma and doing the right thing and so I took them back to the store and I paid for them now I felt good about that. Um, I the last receipt that I took where I had three items that I paid for and I didn't get, I didn't have the same result. So they basically said, "Well, we don't have these items in our lost and found, and we have no way of proving this." And blah blah blah. And they were right. But um, so now I kind of have a little tally in my head that I'm out probably about a hundred dollars, and the next receipt that's off, I may rethink. Um, being so eager to go back and uh, try to write the wrong when I was undercharged. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'll still do it. I don't know. I, when, but here's the key. What you're describing is you're building processes to outsource to somebody else. So if you brought somebody on, you would expect them to check the receipt, right? I mean, that's reasonable, right? Yes. And to be careful. So why doesn't that rule apply to us, Teresa? I know. <laughs> I always tell my kids, hey, do as I say, not as I do. Do as I say, right? But but it's a fair – so by rebuilding – I mean, again, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about resetting with stronger processes. You're building a real business. Did you feel like it was a real business before? Um, you know, I did. Uh, but what I'm trying to figure out is if I want to scale it. Mm. Like I'm a solopreneur, and so – you know, I talked to a lot of people with warehouses and all this stuff, and they're doing all these figures. And I don't have that whole FOMO issue where, oh, look how much money they're making because, you know, I'm putting in, I'm getting out equal what I'm putting in. And do I want to spend all day, every day doing this? No. But I'm trying to figure out where is my... Um, the sweet spot for you. The sweet spot, yeah, that's a good word for it. Where's the sweet spot for me? And so... Um, trying to figure out right now I am uh, you know eBay is my first love um, Amazon I source one day a week and um, I don't even source all day sometimes I'll just hit two stores at night and then you know I'll spend the week processing it and the weekend getting it in and ship it in on Monday like that's been my process for Q4 so I'm not killing it but I'm not um, uh, I'm not it's an it's a concentrated effort it's better than standing and in line greeting people at Walmart, right? So is that, that, that exactly. fair? Okay. I just want to make sure. that Fair enough. Okay. And so, yeah, so it's, you know, it's just trying to figure out now at this point, I'll take my data and I'll figure out, is this what I want to do in January? Like, I'm not uh -huh. sure that I will continue to look at the receipts. I might do it for another couple and see. Um, uh, the first two where I was just $4 or $8 off, absolutely not worth my time. But when you get to 100 and 150 dollars, then you're like, okay, if this happens on every receipt, then maybe that's an issue. Maybe I decide that I do it for receipts where I have over 60 items or over 100. Items. I don't know yet. Hmm. So, so in theory, you might make it more of a seasonal Amazon specific because of FBA. Maybe make more of a seasonal business, meaning that you peak 
like get ready for Q4 and then you can back down based on lifestyle for you? It's a possibility. Um, hmm. right, now I, right now I can, um, am uh, considering doing this at the same level once okay. a week um, and just doing sourcing one day a week and then doing that whole process. Um, uh, and, you know, we'll see how it is. I mean, I'm a lazy scanner, <laughs> mm. so I like the low-hanging fruit. And um, I just happen to know what the low-hanging fruit is in Q4. And, you know, that's why it was so easy for me to do shoes because I was a lazy scanner. And I would just go in and, like, just pull them off the shelves. I wouldn't look at them. i just pull them off the shelves. And um, so now I have to put a little effort into scan. Now, why do you love eBay? And you said that twice, and I think even once in our pre-call. Why do you love eBay so much? What is it that's very that gives you that still buzz? Because I mean, I don't want to tell anybody how long you've been doing it because they might date your uh, age. But <laughs> it, you've been doing it a long it's time. Fine. <laughs> a long I've been doing it since nineteen ninety-seven, um, and so eBay. I mean, maybe it's because I've been on the platform for so long, but. I love the community. I love the support. I mean, I love that um, eBay listens to the community. I don't feel like we have that on a lot of the other supports. I right. think that if you're a, a diehard Poshmark seller, I think that they probably have that kind of support. But um, it's just, you know, the eBay community is great. eBay has your back. eBay, like, eBay has a seller's back, but they also have a buyer's back. Like, they understand that there's two sides to every transaction. And... Um, you know, I just don't feel that on Amazon. Do you feel like it's tra changed from 97 to now with eBay? Because I, mean, oh, I would absolutely. say that it's, it's way more corporatized than what it was back then. That's what I would, my observation. Yeah, and, and maybe that's the right word for it. But, I mean, if, because I've been on it for so long, what people forget is back in 1997, you know, it was the wild, wild west. And so mm. people keep um, thinking of eBay today in those terms. And when I tell people that when I sold an item in 1997 or even in 2000, PayPal didn't even come about until 2000. People would buy an item and then they would send you your their zip code and then you would box the item up, you would go to the post office and have the post office tell you how much it would ship to that zip code. You would go back home, you would message the buyer, you would say shipping is going to be $10.96. The buyer would send you a check or a money order in the mail, you would get that in five to ten days, you would then deposit the check or the money order, if it was a check you waited ten days for the check to clear, if it was a money order you would still deposit the money order because there were some fake money orders going around at the time, and then you would sh finally ship your item out and if the customer got it in thirty days they were thrilled. Oh man. And you chuckle because you're like how in the world did that succeed? And now you sit back and you think about literally they can order it today. You're shipping it today because you got paid today. The money's in your account yep. and it's out and the customer has it in theory sometimes the day after, the next day, even exactly. even to a merchant fulfilled. So I would I would say that's a, I think a lot of people have that that feeling right now with Amazon because it was not that long ago when it was the wild, wild west. And now they've rigidly gotten a lot of rules, and they change them often. They've really caught up on the rules, right, very quickly. Not as long as it took eBay to get there, but I think people can relate um, how, how much it's changed. That's interesting. Hmm. And, I, and I think it's good. I mean, you know, in e-commerce, 
is now globally recognized. And, you know, back in the early days, there were countries that we just didn't ship to because we didn't trust their postal services. Now there's not a country in the world that I do not ship to. And I have no fear of it not arriving in Italy or not arriving in Mexico or Russia. some of the other countries. <laughs> you know, I never had an issue with Russia. Oh, I uh, R Russian Federation, um, interestingly enough, I sell a – at one point, I sold a ton of Magic 8-Balls to the Russian Federation. And every time <laughs> I sold one, I'm like, what is it about this that they love? I have no idea. Are they making decisions? Hey, should we do this? <laughs> Let's invade this country. Maybe. What's the eight balls? <laughs> no, that's terrible. That's. Um, oh, I remember blocking. You know, uh, all of South America. I mean, it was just you were never going to yeah. get your stuff. That was never going to show up, and it was never even. You know, the worst part was, it's not even like you suspected the person wasn't gonna, was going to stick you. It was the people that were. The on the way, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yep. It was never going to make it to anybody. They were, but their house must be the best, most modern house, right? Because it was full of uh, all their stuff. <laughs> exactly. All right. So, so eBay for you for twenty something years um, has given you that thrill. Still, definitely, still gives you the thrill. Do you still like to source unusual things for eBay, or is it all about you know? kind of uh, finding, not replenishables, that might be a bad term, but finding uh, a particular line if you sell shoes, for example. Is that what you focus on, or are you able to still deviate and, and fulfill the hunt and the storage hunt? So my journey on eBay has changed over the years, and when I first started, when I first got hooked up with eBay, it was probably in 95, 96, when I was selling off Next Computers for the university I worked for. And um, that started me to think of, hey, let me try to sell this of my own and, and, and you know, sell that. And um, then when I created my own account, that's, that's why I use the 97 because I can trace back my start date for that. But I was actually selling on it 95, 96. But um, in 97, I started selling red things. Uh, my store is Club Red 97. I like red things. Oh, um, you're one of those. And, Everything was red. Yes. Everything was red, and if I found a, if I would go to the store and I needed to buy some tape, and there was a red tape dispenser for whatever reason, buying it in red just, it wasn't now just tape. It was now a red tape dispenser, and um, I sold a lot of stuff that was just red, and then you know, like everyone else, you branch off and you start selling things that are profitable. Um, I did thrifting for a little while. I'm not a thrifter. I don't have the uh, thrill of the hunt. Um, you know, it's profitable, and there's nothing wrong with it, but it just wasn't my thing. Mostly, I was going to – I was doing uh, retail arbitrage before I knew that's what it was, and I would go to different stores, and if they had um, – and I was still buying red things, red salt and pepper shakers, red KitchenAid stuff, red, you know, whatever it was, and then I would come home and list it on eBay and sell it, um, and, uh, you know, that for 15 years was my play money. And so, I mean, when somebody, you know, an interior decorator or a kitchen, like my wife was into the kitchen, our kitchen now, everything's white, but she wants this blue. And she's like, well, we have to get the blue, t <laughs> the blue tea kettle, yep. Steve. And I'm like, it's a tea kettle. No, no, it's got to be blue, <laughs> right? So so those are the type of people, though, that's that's who you served. Yes. And and I still have, um, my eBay store is, no, I think it, Red Stuff, um, I think I've changed them now. They're both Club Red 97. But... Um, but yeah, I do have a, a, a category in my store called Red Kitchen Stuff because when I uh, moved to Arizona in 2003 and built a house, 
I knew I was having a red kitchen. And people like, oh, my, people picture red walls. I didn't have red walls, but I had every red KitchenAid appliance you could have. You open my drawer and the silverware had red handles. And, you know, it's just all the towels and everything were red. And, yeah, it was just. Uh, That's your thing. That was my thing, and you I loved my red kitchen. <laughs> and so I can so, relate to your wife. Yeah, but it, you know what's interesting is it, that's probably why you loved selling on eBay, right? Because it, you got to do what you enjoy. There's nothing wrong exactly. with that. How, how many of your friends get to do what they enjoy? Exactly. I mean, exactly. I, I and think I, about this all I the time. I love what I do. Yep. Still. And I, I was just telling somebody that. Um, you know, it's hard for me to think of going back to a nine-to-five job, and I think to myself that, you know, I work much harder now than I ever did at a nine-to-five job, but I work in different spurts. Like, some days I'll work until two or three in the morning, and some days I may only work an hour shipping, and I like that freedom and flexibility. I think overall, during the week, I probably put in, I definitely put in more than 40 hours, um, you know, somewhere between 60 and 80. It depends on the time of year. But um, I like that I get to choose the chunk of time that I'm working. Yeah, because you described that you like to go to those particular stores at night, right? So that's yep. a lifestyle. One of the things that I've been watching you over time, um, you still enjoy shipping. Like you make it an art out of it. Like it's <laughs> it's like fun to you, isn't it? It's like a is it is it the, is it the closure like the you know hey. When you put it up on the counter, the accomplishment's been made. Is that kind of weird to say it that it's, way? It's No, no, it's funny you say that because I don't enjoy shipping this week. But it's Q4, and it's like I think that this year having a shorter time frame between Thanksgiving and Christmas, like it's a week shorter, I was like, okay, this is not going to be any different. It's just going to be shorter. No, everybody's trying to cram five weeks of stuff into four weeks, and it feels different. Um, but yeah, I do like the closure of that. I like the, the idea of getting the stuff out of the house and sending it on their way and, you know, some, so this is going to make somebody else happy. And, you know, with eBay, you get the, um, touchy feely stories. Like somebody says, thank you for selling this. My grandmother had one. I remember seeing it when I was growing up and now I want to have it in my home for my kids. Um, lost it in the fire, the I, right? That kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. I sell memories. That's what do you sell on eBay? Uh -huh. I sell memories. Interesting. And, and sometimes red ones, right? Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Here, here's another thing that I think that you've done very well. All right. So again, I'm going back with this is the premise of this, this conversation. Reset with stronger processes and build a real business. That's, that's probably going to be the title of this episode because I, I th what I think about is we are having a conversation that, you know, you sell on Macari and you sell on Poshmark and you sell in other places. And what you, what you said, though, is the reason is the technology has allowed it. So again, yes. you've reduced the hassle factor. So was the hassle factor enough to keep you away from them? I mean, let's start there. Uh, yes and no. So let me explain. Let me explain that because um, up until uh, let's just say May of this year, I sold only on eBay and uh, Amazon, and I did that because I didn't want to have to deal with listing on. Poshmark and finding my pictures and copying. I, there was way too much copy pasting and uploading pictures. And same thing with Macari and all those other sites. And then what happened was, um, in I run a meetup group here in Phoenix area, and uh, there was two women in my meetup group that basically talked to me in February and said, "Hey, we've got this uh, software program that we've been working on. Uh, we want to show it to you." 
And so uh, they told me that you know what it does is automate cross-listing, cross, uh, automates cross-posting from. Um, actually, that's not what it does. At the time, it was a soft uh, software listing program that allowed you to list faster, and then you could cross-post to multiple platforms. So was it and designed so mostly for eBay to start? I mean, when when or was it Amazon when they started? Mostly for it. So they were selling on eBay, and they wanted to come up with a way to uh, reduce the listing process, okay. the okay. time to list. Mm -hmm. And so we were working on this and everything, and the first thing I said to them was, this is great for my new listings, but I have 4,500 listings on eBay. I want to cross-post them to the other sites. And so, um, you know, we talked here and there, and then probably in April, May, we really started talking a lot, and she had some updates to the program, and I was like, this is amazing. So I started using List Perfectly in May to cross-post, um, and the they did a soft launch in May, and then they did a hard launch after eBay Open, and I mean, it just took off like a rocket, because the product that they launched is a um, cross-posting. Um, you can still list in the, in the product, but I think what most users are using it for now is to quickly and easily cross-post from eBay, from Macari, from Poshmark, from Etsy, to all those platforms, plus they also do Relove, and there's another one, and then they are getting ready to launch, they announced this on their Facebook group yesterday, um, to Facebook Marketplace and Grailed. <laughs> so you can either, so someone like me, with my um, eBay listings, I have a ton of fabric in there. I used to be a quilter. I'm not anymore. And so I'm using it to, I knew I should have been listing it on Etsy, but it was like, I don't want to do that. It's hassle. tedious. It's boring. It's a hassle. But now I use List Perfectly, and I can have them up and running on Etsy in no time. And you can, you know, cross-post. It takes under a minute to take an existing listing and cross-post it to another platform. It, what's very cool to me is you were part of that development you know what I mean that's kind of got to be feel pretty cool too you actually got to see it sprout and them sprout yes. which is really kind of cool yeah and I have I've loved every step of the process they're amazing women-owned uh, business um, you know saw a need in the community and figured out a way to uh, fulfill that need like you know every good ingenious idea there's a need and somebody figures out how to satisfy that need and boom yeah, and somebody, they just don't figure out how to satisfy it. They push past all the challenges that we all run into that makes us stop and to get past yeah. it. That's special. <laughs> so you really are an omni-channel seller. I mean, how's that? I, how yes. cool is that? I mean, it's got to feel pretty cool. You know, and it, it is it is kind of cool. Um, and, you know, there's different strategies for each platform. And, you know, I I credit List Perfectly to me branching out because, like I said, I would not take the time to copy and paste from my existing listing or to find my pictures on my desktop to upload to, you know, my Macari listing. But um, there's different strategies. Uh, Macari, I did in the summertime, I did a bunch of summer stuff and listed it. And I was doing heavy stuff because they, at the time, they had great shipping uh, prices for heavier stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, I had uh, some inflatable swimming pools that I was selling on Amazon the previous <laughs> summer. And then, you know... All of a sudden, That's you're heavy. dated and you can't yeah. sell them. Right, right. 
and so I had 16 of them in my garage that I couldn't get rid of, and I'm just like, I'm just going to try these on Macari, and uh, listed them with List Perfectly. I sold 14 of the 16 pools, happy to get them out of my garage, made a great profit on them, and shipped them for a reasonable price, and you know was just happy to have done that. And so I then reset after summer. Um, I'm just testing this this philosophy out, but I think Macari does really well in the first 30 days of a listing. So I, after summer, I deleted all my summer listings, and then I posted uh, just recently. I started doing some Halloween stuff, but recently I did a bunch of Christmas inflatables and a bunch of American Girl doll stuff that I'm trying to uh, get rid of, and that's that's doing okay. It's doing okay um, on that platform. So playing around with the strategy for you know listing on that platform. Um, the same way, you know, you uh, Poshmark is a very different audience. Yeah, we, we could talk about that because both of us have similar experience. You know, you, we sell shoes, right? Expensive shoes. Some yes. we buy wholesale or some we buy RA. Um, uh, we used to do OA. We don't really do much of it. But expensive, let's say $100 pair of shoes. They're beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing brand new. And so you put them on Poshmark for 60 bucks, and because that's what you would have done with eBay, correct? I mean, you would have put them on at yes. a, a material discount. Somebody who's looking for them, they would be willing to pay for it, right? And we always do, we don't do free shipping, so it would be plus shipping. And so the thing I liked about Poshmark was uh, free, sh- or free to us shipping. I mean, it was added on, but it was always, right. you got a label, it was perfect, right? The problem I have, this is Steve's experience, and you correct me if, what your experience is, is that that $60, I'm getting $12 offers. And I'm ignoring them because I don't want to stop to waste my time. Because like on eBay, when people make an offer, you can put a little code in there that says reject automatically pay offers under, in that case, I'd probably reject everything under $48 or something like that, right? Common sense. Right. Poshmark, at least I haven't seen that. And so it, they're... They're nuisance things. I mean, do people just sit there and spit out these messages hoping, you know, send out 100 and maybe two people bite? That's my guess. That's my experience. Um, I have the same experience with you. I, you know, listing uh, Lucky Jeans, Lucky Brand Jeans, new with tags, $130 MSRP. Um, so, you know, you try to list them on Macari at, you know, 55 or $65, somewhere in that neighborhood. I'm sorry, on Poshmark at, and at 55, you know, 50% of uh, MSRP, I'm thinking that's a pretty good deal. Plus you went out and sourced and, them. So you did all the work. They're there. Exactly. They're ready to go. Yeah, but I don't think that the Macari, uh, I keep saying Macari, the Poshmark, um, I don't think that the Poshmark uh, market looks at it that way. I think they want new items for garage sale prices. Now, I don't think that that's everybody's experience. Mm, right. Because there are some successful Poshmark sellers, but I don't um, seem to have the inventory that those sellers want, um, and so I just, I just, I find it frustrating. It's a time sink to have to share your closet. It's, um, it's, it needs way too much of my attention. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, you know what I used to, it's funny because my attitude has changed a little bit too. What I always admired, they made it so easy. They, they, as complicated, how, as easy as eBay is today versus 1997, it's still complicated to create a listing. There's a million fields. There's Absolutely. a lot. There's a lot of steps, right? Poshmark right. gets really simple. I mean, you can have a listing up in, in about two minutes, right? I mean, not even two minutes, probably, you know, 40 seconds with some photos. Exactly. And stuff. So very convenient. That part they got right. It's that other part that I think, unfortunately, I think like you, some of the stuff we sell is not the marketplace. Um, 
it's just not. I th- I tend to think it was designed for you know expensive closets of stuff that most people can't afford to get into, and so there, when I can buy it at a garage sale price, uh, coach bag, a bad example, because that's all I can think of, you know, yeah. being, being a man. Um, but, but that would be it, you know, stuff like that. Is that, is that, would you agree with that? Or do you see it even different than that? Um, I think, I think they're definitely looking for some of the higher end brand names. And, you know, I tested that out as well. And I just, I just didn't have any success with it. And, you know, I'm not giving up. I'm still testing it out. What I, um, uh, am finding for the higher end brand names and the other uh, platform that I just couldn't think about with List Perfectly is TradeZ. Okay. Now I had never heard of TradeZ before List Perfectly, and so um, yeah, so they they definitely higher end items. That's the marketplace for it, and um, you know they tend to sell and they tend to sell for uh, what would be a good profit in our mind and what would be a discounted price for the buyer. Over there, the problem with um, Tradesy is that you have to be willing to wait 30 days or so for your payout, uh, and okay. um, so some people don't like that. But you know, to me, it's like it's just part of doing business. And um, the reality is that the days for eBay sellers, the days of getting same-day payout with payout with PayPal, they're they're on the way out. Like eBay's the only site that has that. Everybody else makes you wait until the item's received in three days after this or whatever, and so on and so forth. Or you know two-week payout on Amazon. But so, I think we're seeing this transition, like you just said with Tradesy. So this transition, like uh, eBay just announced over $100 pair of shoes. That there's no charge, right? Something like that? Right. That's because the GOATs and the StockX and the blah, 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 blahs have all become the specialized site for those things, correct? Yep. It's like they yes. cherry-pick a category. And so what you just described with Tradesy is a good example. The higher-end stuff, it's probably safe, are, are they the company where you send it to them and they inspect it to make sure it's right and then they send it on? Um, I think that that is a op, um, an option. Because they authenticate it and stuff, right? Isn't that, yeah, authenticate. Yeah, yeah, right, right. I think to have it authenticated is an option. Okay. But I don't think it has to be authenticated. But boy, how secure is that, right? I mean, that extra step, and I'm sure there's a, the seller is paying for that, um, and they price that in. I'm sure there's a fee. But boy, if you're a buyer, you know that it's real because it's been authenticated and and I assume they stand behind it. Now, let me tell you, let me go the other side of that. As a seller, I stay away from any name brands because I am not familiar with it. I do not know how to tell a fake from a real. So I don't even look at that kind of stuff. So for me as a seller, if I'm going to start selling coach bags, I would want that off service because I I can't tell. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. And it's not something I want to be an expert in. I, we've gotten that stuff over the years, and, and I just give it away because I'm like, I'm not even going to attempt to sell it because it all looks real to me, but I'm a guy who has no clue, right? Yeah, so I'm exactly. just not, unless I bought it at the store, right? And and I know you can you can go to Coach, they have 70% off plus 20%, blah, 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 and you can stack another. Right. Okay. That, then I can say, I bought it, here's my receipt. Then I'm comfortable. If not, are, are you, it's, it's interesting. All right, so this just happened in my town. So Hasbro, and I checked with a toy seller, a mega toy seller that I know. Um, Hasbro had this uh, two-day event in my town. Like a, It's almost like a pop-up store. I described it like the Halloween store. I don't know if you get those in your town where, yep. they, where mm-hmm. they bring in, they rent for one or two months, and then they're gone. The, Hasbro right. did a toy sale in my town uh, last week. I okay. didn't make it there. 
um, just because, you know, I'm worried about authentication again. I'm so worried about, you know, I guess that's good that Amazon has me trained that way. But I'm like, right. I don't want to go waste my time if it's not going to show me the receipt. Like you, I don't want to do the photos for a $8 Monopoly board game, right? Right. And so I passed on that. Um, that I'm, I'm gun shy there. How about you? What's your risk tolerance for that stuff? Um, I I would have a higher risk tolerance. Um, I probably would have gone and checked it out if I was selling toys, but I made the conscious decision not to sell <laughs> toys in Q4. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I think I think I would have done it. Well, when and, and, I was living in go ahead, when I was living in Southern California, um, my sister and brother-in-law both worked at Mattel, and you know this is when again RA wasn't a thing, and I think. If I was just a little smarter or a yeah. lot smarter, I would go to the company toy store with my sister and I would buy all kinds of toys and just give them away to the nieces and nephews. I'm like, why am I not selling this on eBay? And it just it just wasn't the the model, um, you know, 20 years ago. So the, the, I'm going to close my Hasbro story. I apologize. I, I, it, oh, no, basically, no, I'm sorry. I, I interrupted you. I didn't. I didn't go, and I sent it to somebody who I really respect, who sells toys by the pallet. I mean, a massive toy seller, and he was suspect of it because they had a weird Facebook group or whatever. So I sent the note to Hasbro, or to Hasbro, and literally it said, "Hey, is this legit?" And it took them a day. The event was almost over by the time they got back to me and said, "Yes, it's a it's a store wide event or a store event." And so I sent that to him, and he goes, "Huh." He thought the same thing. He said, boy, their website's sketchy or their Facebook group is sketchy. It's not blue checked. And but, but my point to him was, and I think we both agreed on this, they probably are in deep trouble because how would they have sold that stuff in the past, right? Toys R Us is gone yeah. this year, right? Yeah. Uh, Amazon, of course, they're selling tons, right? But how do they reach the other part of the market? And so we have a, a company, I don't know if they are out your way, Ollie's, do you have them out by you? We don't have Ollie's out here, Okay, no. well, Ollie's was started... Uh, 15 miles from my house here, um, my warehouse, and they are huge on the East Coast. They're those big giant toy buyers, that kind of that liquidation stuff. And so maybe they're just trying to cut out the middle person, um, and maybe they're doing kind of a pop-up. They're trying to get clever and creative. It's interesting. That's an interesting um, philosophy on it, and it's probably, there's probably a lot of truth in that, because you know, these toy companies are still needing to make their Q4 earnings. And um, you're right, if they don't have, uh, you know, Toys R Us or other places to sell their toy, that they can sell their toys for them, they got to do it themselves. It's interesting. And so the marketplace changes again. Uh, I, I, here, here's one more observation about you and your business. Um, you've been doing it for so long and you're willing to change. It. I don't, I don't have, how do we not offend anyone? But you have other, fr- well, I don't want to say friends, you have other acquaintances you know in this business that are, all they do is complain about the problems from eBay or Amazon or I'm sure, well, we just did Poshmark. We, we, were, we yeah. were those guys. All right, I'm guilty a little bit. All right, but generally speaking, it, it's just, well, mine are more observation. Mine isn't a complaint. It is what it is, but it, it's an observation. But they get stuck and they don't move forward. All they keep saying is my sales have gone. I mean, I've, I just saw somebody post. They haven't sold anything in five days. And I'm like, oh, my God. Can you imagine not yeah. selling anything for five days? <laughs> well, and, and I, don't even, I don't even acknowledge those posts because there's so many various, very, varying, various factors in 
what goes into a sale. Like if you only have a hundred listings and you haven't sold anything in five days, it's a it, there's a large part of this is this number game. I have 4,500 listings and there's days when I don't sell anything, but I don't waste my time posting it on Facebook because I just know it happens. And um, and you know, and there's days when I have you know 80 sales or right, you know right. I'm just like dying because I've maybe not an 80-day sale on eBay because I don't have that kind of inventory, but, you know, I can have an 80-sale weekend, absolutely. And so that's one factor. The other factor is um, I was um, going to my meetup last night and uh, driving with a friend of mine, and, you know, I was asking her about her sales, and she says, you know, my sales are great. This is the best month I've had all year, but they're nothing compared to you, yours. And I'm like, well, you don't really know what my sales are, number one, but number two, uh, I said, well, what do you contribute that to? And she's like, I sell used clothing. There's not a lot of people buying used clothing for Christmas presents. I went, okay, but you're still having the best month out of your year. And she said, yes. And so we started just talking about the different things that she was doing. And she, again, changed things up a little bit. She's tracking her expenses and her um, profits better. And so it's more of a game for her. So and she's wait, like, so she wait adjusting her prices because of that and therefore no. selling more? Maybe she she's addressing her prices. She's buying higher end things. Uh, okay. Um, okay. She you know, just all kinds of stuff. But she's looking forward to January and February because those are her bigger bigger months. But last January and February, she was still doing the quote unquote old way. Hmm. And so I think that the people that can be successful are the ones that easy that adapt to change more easily than others. I love change. Well, I think uh, I think you're absolutely right. Let's go back to your example for Amazon. Before you got to reprice her, what were you doing? You were repricing. You were repricing based on the market, right? The market is the market. Yes. So there were other sellers selling the same thing you were, and you were repricing up or down, probably down, unfortunately, but sometimes up. Um, but you were doing that, right? So you were making adjustments. Why? Why? And, and I'm guilty of this, so don't get me wrong, because I've been selling a long time too. It's a you know the thing I used to love about eBay is to set it and forget it because we use a vending machine model. We try to buy right. volume, right? We want to buy uh, Steve's water bottle. I always use my example, Steve's water bottle. I want to buy a hundred of them. Just make one listing and let it sell forever, right? Just I have yep. plenty of space. Space is not a problem for me, but that doesn't work all the time because guess what? There are lots of other people out there selling Steve's water bottle the same thing. So for us, we took on huge. We have tiered discounting now. Um, be, okay. uh, so tiered discounting at the top end on Markdown Manager, then we do you know the uh, advertising, and then we do quantity discounts on the other end. So you could say, oh, oh wow, I'm not getting my price. Well, when they buy six of them, I'm getting my price. Yes. you know that's my price. Yeah. So wouldn't that be better to sell six than to have one sale? You know, way different yeah, change. It, yeah, exactly. And I I absolutely. When I first started selling on eBay, I didn't sell clothes. And it's like I didn't I didn't start selling clothes till maybe six or eight years ago. And the reason was because I had the same philosophy. I wanted to be able to buy replenishables. At the time I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. <laughs> but you know, it's like I would I, I use my red dish pan. I would go to Walmart and I would buy this red dish pan for dollar ninety-eight. And when I first started selling them, I was selling them for five dollars plus, you know, eight dollars shipping because I was putting them in a box, and I was like, they were selling, and then um, eBay was like pushing free shipping, and I'm like, okay, well, let me let me just put this in, I'll sell them for $13 with free shipping. They were still selling. 
Then I bumped it up to $15. They were still selling. Then I bumped it up to $18. They were still selling. Then I was bumped it up to $20, and they stopped selling. Mm. So then I, I found my sweet point was $17.99, and I, this was a bread and butter item. My net profit on those dishpans were $10 a piece. I sold them. They don't make them anymore, which is why I'm sharing this. But I sold them for five years, and I sold probably 60 to 70 a year, so a little more than one a week. I'm not getting rich off of that. But, you know, if you have 10 or 15 of those items, what I liked about that was I listed it once. Yeah, the vending machine. And I just changed the quantity. I I love that. that And that was my model. Yeah, very healthy, very very smart because it's time, right? Yeah, because I just, I, and you know, I was doing that when I was working full time. So I kept saying, I don't have time to take pictures and list it and sell one offs. And, um, you know, when I quit working full time to do this full time, then I started selling off a lot of my stuff. And then I was doing some thrifting. And um, all of a sudden, I'm selling clothes and I hate selling clothes. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'm not a big fan either. We do. That's what we do. We sell clothes, shoes, that kind of jazz. But yeah, that's, uh, that's why I, I do use. I would, I, I don't know if I was talking with you. I talk to a lot of people every day. Um, we were talking about Sellhound. I don't know if you uh, use Sellhound. We, we, I'm in love with Sellhound right now for, because of our return. So our shoes and clothing yes. that comes back. Um, it's literally, it's changed our game because it's, it's the employee that didn't call off. I mean, I have another guy in here, and he was sick this week, and he took off almost two days. So that means yep. nothing got done. Well, that Sellhound thing, I just take some photos, send it to them, and they don't take off and it just i'm i'm i must admit i'm really really pleased with it um right now uh, i wonder how so, that would work with list perfectly hmm. no so i was just going to say that i heard about sell hound um at ebay open two years ago mm-hmm. and um i went in there and i'll be honestly when i looked at it it was just way too expensive now they've done good for them they've done some changes and some um price reductions and you know startup company they got to make some adjustments and I just um, right before Thanksgiving was talking to them and am going to um, uh, implement them because I think the same thing like this could be your employee that doesn't call out um, I want to understand the process because I think that if I can get Sellhound to list them and then use list perfectly to cross post them then my work is minimal. Then you scale. And, and we go back to the beginning of this conversation. This is you building pro- stronger processes. Because I revised this uh, uh, this title now, re- uh, Reset with Stronger Processes <laughs> and Build a Real Omni-Channel Business, because that's what you've done. I, I agree with you. Um, what, what I found that they do is they do the price research for you, which is the best, one of the hardest things to do, right, to really figure okay. it out. And then the second thing that they do is they fill in all the fields that I hate filling in. They fill them all in. Yeah, and that's yep. valuable. Now, if you can take it to a list perfectly, or a Vendu, or, or I guess even Joe Lister out there, some of those, and then you can take and put it on the omni-channel network, right? Put it on all those yep. things. Do you? Let me ask this because uh, I'm, I'm getting to the end now. I just want to ask this one: Do you feel? Do you feel envy? And that's a bad word, but because all you're doing is supporting these other channels, you know, Teresa. All you're doing is you're just building Jeff Bezos's pockets bigger or, you know, whoever the current owner of eBay is, you know, you're just making them rich. Why don't you do your own thing? Why don't you have Teresa's website? Why don't you do this? Right. I mean, do you feel envy in any way there or or what? I don't want to put words in your mouth. No, I don't. I love supporting um, other sellers. I love supporting, you know, what they're doing. If they create an app, um, 
that makes my life easier, Kudasin. There's another one that is uh, not as well known, but um, it's called Data Mine with two eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked with those guys, and um, I love the app because a lot of the suggest it's, it, it does, it's more for running your business. And there's a lot of things that, you know, I've wanted eBay to do for a long time, but it's just harder for eBay, being the big ship that it is, to turn things around. And yeah. so, um, one of the things that I, you know, really miss on eBay is the ability to download a report that tells me, here's your listings and here's all the weights that you have on them. Because I realize that a lot of my listings don't have weights. A lot of them have the wrong weight, and I have no way of checking that out. So this is a report that I just ran um, before Thanksgiving, and I was going through all my inventory and making sure I had a UPC code scanned and making sure the weight was there. And I used a report that um, Datamine created uh, because I asked them to. And I don't think a lot of users use it, but it will come in handy in January. If you're like me and you have free shipping on all of your items, then I can sort my listings and I can say, okay, everything that's under a pound, I'm going to increase by $3 or whatever it might be. Mm, And, you know, they've done a ton of stuff. I have a question of, how much used versus new inventory do I have in my eBay store? Well, eBay couldn't give me that data, so data mine can, and it's about a 75-25% ratio for me. Um, and so I like, I like data, I like numbers, I like stats, and um, eBay's uh, Seller Hub gives you a lot more data than it did five years ago. For sure. But there's just some fine-tuning stuff that I love. So I, so that's one app that I did. And, of course, the uh, Amanda and Claire at List Perfectly um, worked with them, love them. I love, you know, they've got a, a great hustle going on. And, you know, Cellhound, I didn't understand them at first, and now I understand them a little better. And, um, you, you know. Give them a shot. I mean, honestly, see yeah, if you I get the same will. experience and then let me know because I'm – pleasantly surprised because you know i mean everybody talks a good game right and then when it comes down to doing the work is it perfect no name anything that's perfect nothing right, exactly st- yeah i know you're gonna this is gonna be a surprise to you i'm not perfect either Teresa. i know that's a surprise <laughs> <laughs> right? um but it, seriously it, it's uh it's been it's been enjoyable i i'm looking forward i have to talk to the list perfectly i brooks is a data mine right yes and he's i've had him on he is brilliant. I mean, it's one of those, you could tell that he is fixing a problem. Again, back to deciding, trying to figure things out, what you just decide, just described, right? You're looking at a price increase for shipping in January, right? Post office is going to go up, I think 5% or whatever. You can address it rather than sit and worry about it. You can make a conscious decision. So you stay in the, the free shipping to keep popular, yet yes. you don't lose money. Hmm. Exactly. It's not a bad plan, Teresa. Love it. Okay, so you've given us, I think, uh, a lot of great tips and advice on how to build up your business. So first off, if somebody has follow-up questions, what's the best way to get in touch with you? So I am. I uh, run a Facebook group called Boss Business for Online Selling Success. I run it with um, some awesome other admins there. And um, I'm Numbers Geek um, on Instagram, so you can reach out to me and those two channels. Those are the ones that I give most of my attention to. Okay. So. All right, great. All right, so I think I think what you described, and I'm sitting back, uh, and I, I think this is the way we should close this, because normally I, you saw the question I usually ask, but I think it'd become a little different for you because you've done it. You've taken a business that might have been, you know, don't get offended, stale. 
and you yes. reset. And now you've, you're st- trying to figure it out. And I'm not putting words you. You're trying to figure it out but at your level that's comfortable for you because you have choices, because you've done all these things that you described. How do you, how do you recommend others? Because you get those people that are like, you know, Eeyore, everything's wrong, nothing's right, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. How do you help them get past that? You know, for most people that are, um, you know, whining and complaining because they don't have great sales or something like that, you know, I just tell them to, you know, sit back and take a look at your process. And if you have a huge um, death pile that you need to get listed, you it's been sitting there for a year. You not you know you're not going to get to it. So what are you going to do? Let's break it down into bite-sized pieces. So tomorrow you're just going to go through one pile and you're going to go through um, this is worth selling, this isn't worth selling. Just really quickly, two-second decision. And then the next day you're going to go through the next pile. And then maybe the third day you're going to list some of the ones that you decided so that you can see. Because what I want them to do is to be able to uh, do a task and have a quick quick reward for that. So if I were to tell them to go, um, you know, the Marie Kondo way and take every clothes out of your closet and, and look at all your death piles, um, they would get overwhelmed and be done in two hours. But if you give them bite-sized uh, tasks to do and then give them a chance to then take three things. In the boss group, we have a, a daily listing called Two for Two. We tell people if you can't do anything, if you want to really get started, and you're having to just do two listings a day. And what happens is sometimes people only get two done. Sometimes people get started on two and they get on a roll and they might get five, they might get ten. Everybody's different. Everybody's situation is different. And so you just have to find the groove that works for you. But the instant gratification, what I find with eBay sellers uh, particularly, is that if they list something and it sells quickly, they're hooked. Hmm. And so you have to, and you know, people, sometimes people list five things and they're upset because they don't have a sale. But again, if you want to sell five things, you need to have a hundred listed. Right. And if you, you know, if you have a hundred just average things, if you have, um, if you want to sell five things and you have five phenomenal things that everybody wants, then you only have to have 10 things listed. It's like, it's, it's a numbers game. Um, and so, you know, you have to, you have to do the work, but then. Most people need some kind of a reward um, in the near future. They don't want to wait the 45 to 60 days to get that reward. To do work for with no reward for 45 and 60 days is hard to stay at it. So again, you're saying take that small bite, but see it through all the way and get that reward and then take it to the post office and you'll be skipping through the lines like Teresa is and you'll watch her in these <laughs> pictures and you'll enjoy it. Um, exactly. The way I have been. Very, very solid advice. Man, great stuff. Uh, very exciting. I can't wait to see what you do next um, building this omni-channel business. Love it. I wish you nothing awesome. but success. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Likewise. How smart. Um, just it's such a cool thing. Just to watch somebody who you can see breaks it down and figures it out. Her advice at the end to break things down in small bite-sized pieces and then do, you could tell that's what she's done. She said, okay, this isn't what I wanted to work. This isn't working the way I wanted to work. Not Rather than throw it out, let's break it down. All right, this piece, boom, what can I do? This piece, what can I do? Reset, 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 and adjust. That doesn't mean you failed. That means that you're smarter than the rest of us, Steve. 
and you're willing to make adjustments. Um, just so smart. Um, reach out to her. Uh, join that group if you're not in it. Um, sounds like a uh, opportunity to learn. EcommerceMomentum.com, EcommerceMomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the E-Commerce Momentum Podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.